The Creep Show Chronicles contains graphic and disturbing content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to episode 98 of the Creep Show Chronicles, the podcast where we discuss murder and the macabre and ponder of over some good chronics. So grab your weed and wine and some coffee and let's get creepy. That is Sam. I am Ashley. No. Ow. And then when all of a sudden we talked about Amber Heard. Oh, yeah. Turd, I mean. It always comes back to the turd. Turd Gate 2022. Mm-hmm. God, this doesn't come out until August. So, who knows what happened in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial? Um, would you let us know? <laughs> would you let us know? So, um, this is, I can't, like, we're so close to episode 100. We have some special guests on episode 100, so if you want to stick around and subscribe and follow us and find out, um, they, they are well received guests. Every time that they're on an episode, we have more listens, which is like, you guys want to be on our, our show permanently? <laughs> Do you know what we're talking about today? Jeff the Talking Mongoose. This is a fun little ditty about Jack and Diane. Do you remember what we talked about in episode 100 when we recorded that? I mean, you were pretty stoned, so. So this is linked to that episode. Um. This episode and 99 are linked to episode 100. The book, Jeff the Strange Tale of an Extra Special Talking Mongoose by Christopher Josephi, draws on newspaper clippings from around, from the media frenzy around Jeff, diaries, artists, sketches, previously unpublished photographs, and the Harry Price Library of Magical Literature at the Senate House in London. So what at first appears like an obvious hoax becomes something more complex. As Jeff's presence as a spirit, ghost, hallucination, possessed animal, indication of family hysteria, or a young daughter's ploy for attention are all methodically examined. So one morning in the early 1930s, James Irving of the village of Dalby on the Isle of Man was getting ready to open his daily newspaper when a high-pitched disembodied voice called out impatiently, Read it out, you fat-headed gnome. The voice didn't belong to Irving's wife, Margaret, or his teenage daughter, Voiry, the only humans likely to be in the remote farmhouse. He knew the voice belonged to a strange creature called Jeff, who for some time had been living largely unseen in the family's home. Quote, I am the ghost of the, in the form of a weasel and I shall haunt you, end quote, proclaimed Jeff a spectral creature that became part of the Irving family's daily life in 1931. What in the Dr. Doolittle is going on here? <laughs> I like to know. So what are the animals are saying? Can you yeah. talk to all of the animals? Mm. No. Oh, Dr. Damn it. Sorry. No. Um, D&D so you can. <laughs> James Irving, age 58, Margaret, age 54, and their daughter, Voiry, age 12 or 13, collectively experienced the manifestation of Jeff at their farmhouse on the Isle of Man. As James would later, later describe, what started as a tap-tap-tap at night within their walls developed into an ongoing conversation with this astute and often snide man-weasel who had decided to make their isolated home his abode. <laughs> so over the years, my understanding of the Irving's family experiences almost a century ago has taken many twists and turns. 
shifting in shape and form almost as many times as Jeff himself. So I present here the facts of the case, and I leave you to draw your own conclusions as to who or what that clever little mongoose really was, Josephi writes in a foreword. The Irvings farmhouse was soon plagued by more growls, barks, hissing, and the crying of what sounded like a baby. As time progressed, it became apparent that whatever was responsible for the strange noises was a skilled mimic, able not only to imitate what it heard, but was capable of learning and retaining information. So soon the mysterious entity was picking up human language by listening to the Irvings, making gurgling noises like a baby attempting to speak for the first time. And Irving's 12-year-old daughter, Voiri, took to reciting took to reciting nursery rhymes and asking the being to repeat them. According to the Irving family, the entity did so in a clear, high-pitched voice. The Jeff told the Irvings that he had been born in Delhi, India in 1852, he liked to gossip, and he traveled and would travel around the island picking up all sorts of information, usually quite trite and banal. He would, however, he would, however, always return to the Irving family farmhouse at Dor- He would, however, always return to the Irving family farmhouse at Dorlish Cashin, when he would regale James, his wife Margaret, and young Voiry with village gossip, and would, the, uh, and would, the family claimed, even read aloud from the local newspaper before, before nesting his sanctum in um, an, an alcove situated above Boyery's bedroom. In the nearly 400 pages of Jeff are images of accounts from Josephi's long, years-long obsession with this singing, stealing, multilingual, talking mongoose who was said to speak phrases in English, French, German, Yiddish, Spanish, Flemish, and Hebrew. I got I got a question. Uh-huh. What is the language Yiddish from? Where does that... Yiddish is uh, Jewish. Okay. Yeah. Josephi journeys to the ruins of the Isle of Man farmhouse, tore down in 1971, where it all began, and revisits the 1936 book on Jeff, The Haunting of Cashin's Gap, authored by Richard S. Lambert with paranormal investigator Harry Price. Hmm. We'll get into more Harry Price in about two weeks. But it might seem like quite a lot of pages to devote to one early 20th century mystery, but Josephi, Josephi contextualizes Jeff with a paranormal moment in Great Britain, emerging alongside such cryptids as the less verbose Loch Ness Monster, who drew in international notice in 1933, as well as the enduring engagement with spiritualism, that American-born movement centered on the belief that spirits were around us and wanted to communicate with us. Jeff, when uh, queried, 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 yeah, queried, Jeff, when queried on if he knew what death was, he said, yes, a changeover. The visual history of Jeff is a, is particularly interesting. First samples revealed to be that of a dog, paw prints, and photographs of James Irving pointing to his hands emerging from a wall oh sorry James Irving photographs of James Irving pointing to his hands emerging from a wall or a concrete step where Jeff's voice was heard only add to the eeriness of the tale rather than dispelling its myth photographs of the camera shy Jeff appear alternately cat and squirrel like always obscured and his own attempt at a self-portrait is barely more than a scrawl he could be violent uh, quote, you don't know what damage or harm I could do if I were aroused. I could kill you all, but I won't, unquote. And proclaim godlike talents, quote, I'll split the atom. I am the fifth dimension. 
I am the eighth wonder of the world, end quote. Jeff himself was unsure of his form or powers, sometimes claiming to have magical abilities or clairvoyance, which required some form of invisible technology. Once when Margaret asked him about her husband's long absence, Jeff responded, quote, I don't know. I have not got my magic phones on, end quote. <laughs> Even after the relationship between Jeff and Voiry became less fearful and troubled, Jeff's activities were often centered upon or around the girl, leading some to argue that Jeff was a poltergeist, which is possible because she's around that age where poltergeists are prevalent in homes with young, like, tween teenagers. Yeah, like, often it's have. usually around, like, 11 or 12 years old. Mm -hmm, and that's what she was. She was 12 or 13. So, when asked directly if he was a poltergeist, Jeff is said to have responded in the negative, saying, I am not like one of those, claiming instead to be more like an Indian familiar. Poltergeist activity often involves an adolescent who is suffering from emotional turmoil when the activity begins. Indeed, in one of the most infamous poltergeist cases, the Enfield poltergeist, paranormal activities were centered around 11-year-old Janet Hodgson, in Danny Poltergeist, in the Danny Poltergeist case, it was a 14-year-old Jason Cobb. In the Battersea Poltergeist case, the activity was centered around 15-year-old Shirley Hitching. In the and the Thornton Heath, Heath the Thornton Heath Poltergeist case of the 1930s involved 16-year-old son of a Mr. and Mrs. Forbes. And if you would like to hear more about the Enfield haunting, then check out episode three. We were very green. We were very new. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. We still don't know what the fuck we're doing. I mean, let's be honest. We're still trying. We're trying. still trying. <laughs> so some believe that adolescents are the locus of poltergeist activity because these spirits are attracted to hormonal fluctuations and or unresolved emotional stress, repressed anger, hostility, and sexual tension. Others argue that there are actually no spirits or entities involved at all and that it is all the individuals themselves that generate bursts of telekinetic energy which cause objects to move through recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis. Though the individual or agent generating this energy is usually unaware of their role in the events. Either way, it would seem that there were that where there is unexplained poltergeist-like activity, there is usually an adolescent involved. Though many visitors wrote off Jeff, occasionally spelled Jelf, and Jeff with a J. Though Jeff in this story is spelled G-E-F. Weird. But. So though many visitors wrote off Jeff as some kind of hoax or mass hallucination, the Irving family insisted that he was real. They told stories of Jeff sleeping in Voiry's room, eating bacon and sausages, and even riding the bus and bringing back gossip about the neighbors. The family members all claimed to have seen Jeff at some point with their own eyes, and in 1932, and in a 1932 interview with the Manchester Daily Dispatch, James described the creature as a little animal resembling a stoat, a ferret, or a weasel, yellow in color, with a body about nine inches long, and its bushy tail is speckled with black. So it's like Pikachu. Lambert and Price emerged from their investigation skeptical of Jeff's existence. Hair samples allegedly plucked from Jeff were analyzed and determined, like I said, to be that of a dog. Clay imprints of Jeff's paws, meanwhile, lacked the irregular texture of an animal's skin, 
and zoological experts suggested that they were probably carved with a stick. Price speculated that Voiry could have been using ventriloquism to create Jeff's voice, which was also a theory in the infield poltergeist. So the Irving's family descriptions of Jeff seemed to shift from that of a real corp uh, corporeal mongoose to something of a sprite who, through verbally, who though verbally active and possibly telekinetic, was rarely seen. Jeff's own account of himself also varied. At one point, he described himself as merely an extra, extra clever mongoose. But at another, he proclaimed, I'll split the atom. I am the fifth dimension. I already said that. Um, so while he's frequently referred to as a mongoose, he was initially called the Dalby Spook, re uh, referring to his geographic location on the Isle of Man. Yet to a reporter in 1932, James assured, there are no spooks here. The journalist with the Daily Dispatch in Manchester, which was Jeff's first uh, appearance in the Mayland Press, wrote, Had I heard a weasel speak, I do not know. But I do know that I have heard today a voice I should have never imagined could issue from a human throat. That the people who claim it was the voice of the strange weasel seem sane, honest, and responsible folk, and not likely to indulge in a difficult, long drawn out and unprofitable practice, uh, practice, unprofitable practical joke to make themselves the talk of the world and that others had the same experience as myself. The Irving family themselves appear in these photographs, neatly dressed and apparently sane, posed in front of their remote home. A, re a reoccurring theory is that the daughter Voiry used ventriloquism to throw the high pitched voice uh, around the house Indeed, she was an early fixation of Jeff's. When her parents attempted to move her bed to their room, he let out a shrill shriek, quote, I'll follow her wherever you move her. Uh, it would also account for her father's earnestness in all of the discussion of Jeff. Yet, as Colin Dickey wrote in his article on Jeff for the Los Angeles Review of Books, looking for a motive beyond profit and fame suggests a family in turmoil, a crisis that manifested itself in mischievous and protective supernatural creature. Whatever occurred, Voiry, who died in 2005, never confessed a role in the creation of Jeff. So Jeffy concludes that when he started to research the case, he was confident that a close reading of primary sources, combined with the recollections of the Isle of Man inhabitants, would be sufficient, would be sufficient to establish whether it had been a hoax or a genuine paranormal phenomenon. Instead, the deeper he looked, the evidence became more conflicting, pointing on the one hand to fraud and at the same time to something inexplicable. The family accused Jeff of throwing stones, killing rabbits, and singing bowdy renditions of Home on the Range. <laughs> the talking mongoose little speeches, meanwhile, veered from rude, I have been to nicer homes than this, carpets, pianos, satin covers on polished tables, I am going back there, ha ha ha, <laughs> Terrif to terrifying. I'll kill you. I could kill you all, but I won't. Um, he's a bipolar mongoose. Shit. <laughs> Though the case could have ended there, it didn't. Over the years, Jeff has faded away, but has never fully been forgotten. First Lambert, who is probably best remembered for his incorrect predictions about the future of television, including, quote, television won't matter in your lifetime or mine. <laughs> Dumbass. Nearly lost his job when retired Colonel Sir Cecil Levita alleged that all of that his coverage of the Jeff story meant he was 
quote, off his head. Lambert responded to the allegation by bringing a slander suit referred to as the Mongoose case against Levita, which he eventually won. Second, the eternal human fascination with talking animals has ensured that Jeff still has a few diehard fans. In 2014, according to the Wall Street Journal, the most preeminent authorities on Jeff gathered in the University of London Senate House Library to discuss the Great Mongoose Mystery. In addition to predictable speculation about who or what Jeff was and whether he existed, some investigators took a more academic approach to the Jeff mystery. Richard Espley, uh, director of the library's English language collection, for instance, argued that Jeff's story was part of a larger trend of talking animals and oral histories, dating back as far as the Panchantantra, Panchantantra, the Panchantantra, a collection of ancient Indian animal fables, which he described as the mongoose you are er, narrative. Though only one newspaper claimed to have actually seen Jeff, in an article called Mean Weasel Mystery Grips Island, uh, Queerest Beast Talks to Daily Dispatch Reporter, some members of the media took the case seriously enough to launch a full investigation. Rex Lambert, founding editor of the BBC's Listen, Listener magazine, took on the mongoose mystery with celebrity paranormal investigator Harry Price, and the two published their findings in a book called The, Hunt, the Haunting of Cashin's Gap, A Modern Miracle Investigative. Though the mystery of Jeff may never be satisfyingly solved, the talking mongoose does seem to fit in a broader history of talking animal legends, which appear in everything from ancient texts like the Bible and the Panchatantra to move more recent pop culture phenomena like the spate of YouTube videos featuring talking dogs. In an interview on the psychological roots of the talking animal myth, uh, Aeon, Aeon notes, Speaking animals provide us with the potential of an entirely different world, a world that is reminiscent of our own, even familiar, and yet still uncanny enough to maintain the fantasy. Maybe the legend of Jeff the Talking Mongoose was a collective fantasy, the, pro the product of basic human desire for otherworldly wonder and magic, but then again, maybe Jeff really was what he claimed to be, an extra, extra clever mongoose. Do you think he's real? I mean, I'm not trying to sound parent, but a lot of times, like a lot of people back in those days, they can easily trick people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Season one of the Creep Show Chronicles podcast, episode 100, is in two weeks from this episode. Season two will begin on October 3rd, just in time for the spooky season. For five weeks in between, we'll be, we will be releasing bonus content on our social media. If you'd like to follow us, check out our link tree at the Creep Show Chronicles. You can also find all of Find all of our listening platforms there as well. For future recommendations, you can email us at thecreepshow18 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to The Creep Show. I'm Sam. And I'm Ashley. Stay creepy. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Creep Show Chronicles. Follow us on social media and share our show so we can grow our audience.